Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome in here on a Tuesday in Jacksonville. Rainy one at that, but uh, day... Well, two of the search, really day three or four of the search for the Jaguars coaching staff, and some names are starting to drop as the staff for Doug Peterson gets built. Uh, and if you've heard us over the last few weeks, we really think this is an important part of it. I'm also very honest to say, I don't know how you judge it until it gets all together and we see what happens. Uh, but you can get excited about some of the names. Caldwell, Mike Caldwell, that is, over in Tampa, uh, going to be the defensive coordinator, it certainly sounds like. Uh, by the way, for the Jaguars' end of it, we have heard from them that they plan that they won't announce the staff until it's all complete. Yeah. And so they, they're not going to confirm all the rumors and the reports and everything else. Uh, but quietly, the staff is coming together. And then we'll get to hear from the coordinators, I think, sometime next week. And probably Doug Peterson on how the staff came together. So that's a, a bit of that's about a week away, which means also I think the staff will probably be done by the end of the week or by the weekend, um, and and ready to go and unveil itself uh, to everybody in Jacksonville and this football team. So Caldwell, we've uh, Mike McCoy should have put him in the envelope. By the way, um, uh, that would have been a good one. That would have been right on, spot on, uh, and. Uh, for OC, we're looking at uh, potentially a Press Taylor. Pep Hamilton got people excited, but I think uh, staying in, in Houston. How about Eric Bieniemy? The news of his contract runs out, and then uh, Kansas City's like, well, he ain't getting away. He's yeah, not going yeah, anywhere. Yeah. But yeah. that was fun for a second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea of that. It's good to speculate. Um, so, anyway, I, I don't know how locked in you are to the staff. I know some of the real diehard fans are locked in. Oh, I'm definitely locked in. I, I think the, the casual fans, to be honest with you, I'm not sure they care about this part until, like, next Tuesday or Wednesday when you announce it. You're like, okay, cool. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about him, you yeah. know? So I think it's an interesting balance, unlike the head coach search, right? Uh, or even a GM search where people are, like, all in, hanging on every report and rumor and breath and saying, oh, I can't wait, can't wait. This one we know is going to take a little time. No, for sure. But, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, is the Mike Caldwell thing that's official, right? Well, again, or nothing's anything, official. Okay, but, <laughs> but I think the national reports close kind as of indicate be. that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I had I heard mean, about McCoy. So McCoy being reported about the QB thing sure. makes sense, at least in my mind. Yeah, so we talk about Mike Caldwell. You know, you're talking about a guy who, you know, comes from Tampa Bay but also comes from the tutelage, if you will, of Todd Bowles because he's with Todd Bowles, I believe, um, in New York as well when Todd Bowles is the head coach and then he actually followed him to Tampa Bay. So if you want to get a, a, a le at least a decent look of, of what this defense could possibly look like, well, then look no further than what Todd Bowles likes to do because traditionally, now it's not always the same. I mean, you know, Mike Caldwell could bring his own kind of wrinkles to things. Maybe, um, you know, Bowles did some things that he had a lot of great players at his disposal in Tampa Bay. Maybe you can't do everything they could do in Tampa Bay, and maybe he changes it up a little bit. But I think when we're talking about Mike Caldwell, you're talking about a 3-4 defense with a lot of wrinkles. And uh, that would not be a bad thing, right? No. Wrinkles are good. Disguise is good. I mean, listen, Joe Cullen did a nice job. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Joe Cullen stuff was a bit overplayed how good of a job he did. I think our expectation level was so low, and this isn't a knock on Joe. I don't think he had a ton to work with to be consistent. They were unbelievable in some games, a la the Bills. They were really bad in other games like the New York Jets, yeah. right? And, and so, uh, or the Patriots, you know? So um, I, I think there was some 
and, and we love Joe, by the way. I mean, as, as a human being and as a coach, we, we think he could have done some good things if he stayed on board. Yeah. Uh, what we don't know, we're not getting like a Fangio guy where we can give you a resume and a history and this is how he works and this is how it goes and this is exactly who you're going to get. I think Caldwell will be a little bit different, uh, Mike Caldwell, in the sense of, okay, yeah, you can come under Todd Bowles. You can be a part of this. You can kind of see what it's going to look like. The wrinkles, as you mentioned, the 3-4. But... How is he at it, right? How's he at calling plays? How is he as a first-time defensive coordinator? Those things. Um, I think that will be a bit of a mystery until we see it unfold through the first half of the year at the very least. But you think this team has personnel to be a 3-4 team. No doubt about it. Right now, still has some of the players, the Josh Allens, even the Calamon Chasons. They're not cutting Chason, I don't think. He's still under contract, okay? So even those guys be a 3-4 defense. But then when you say wrinkles, now you're talking about diversity in the defense. You're talking about maybe he makes the quarterback think Think a little bit, not simplistic. Um, and and so for that standpoint, if you want wrinkles, I want IQ. And I think this team can really upgrade on the football IQ of things overall and especially on the defensive end. And I hopefully they'll target that in the personal personnel acquisition part of this thing. Yeah, you're definitely going to need IQ because you're going to ask a lot of your defense. Now, I have to remember that, you know, when you're bringing in Mike Caldwell, you aren't bringing in Todd Bowles. So just because Caldwell's been under, you know, Bulls' defense for, for a while now and has learned from Bulls doesn't mean it's going to mimic what Todd Bulls has done. But I think some of the things that you could see, um, you know, from, from Mike Caldwell coming here for now as a defensive coordinator is, you know, switching from maybe a 4-3 a little bit to a 3-4 or even a 3-3 odd. Like, Bulls is known for, for throwing the book um, at teams. You know, I mean, it's a big reason why they actually won a Super Bowl last year. Because when they played Kansas City, everyone was saying, okay, well, here come the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to blitz, they're going to blitz, they're going to blitz. They only blitzed 10% in the Super Bowl. And, and it kind of threw Patrick Mahomes for a little bit of a spin because the entire NFL that follows Todd Bowles expected, all right, he's going to blitz here, he's going to blitz here, and he didn't. So when you talk about a, a Todd Bowles philosophy, a Todd Bowles scheme, it varies from week to week to week. You know, I think with Joe Cullen, you saw more of, all right, this is what we do, this is who we are, and we're going to make it work. It wasn't until later on in the season when you started to see more zone coverage because, well, they were better at running zone coverage than they were at man. I think even more with Mike Caldwell, you're going to see a different philosophy, a different scheme. Now, depending on the players, once again, but you're going to see a different philosophy and a different scheme week in and week out, depending who you're playing. I thought about this question. I didn't give you a heads up, and I probably should have. Uh, again, you're a guy who played. You're a defensive guy. You don't want to coach, all right? There's nothing inside you that says you want to be a coach. But if you were to design your perfect defense, <clears throat> yeah, right, like, what, what would it be from a scheme set, from a wrinkle set, from a, I need X, Y, Z player, not 11 of them. Okay. I can give you like three that I really need to make this kind of defense work. Um, if I put you on the spot, like how would you answer that? Um, primarily I need two bona fide edge rushers and I need a stud nose tackle and I need a smart inside linebacker. Um, and the rest I can kind of fill in as I go. Um, th- that's why we have to be a little you know, skeptical of what exactly is this defense going to look like right now for the Jaguars. Because, yes, you do have Josh Allen. I think Caleb on Chason still obviously a giant question mark. Um, do you try to find someone to replace him, right? So then do you go in the draft? Do you get a Thibodeau? Do you get a Hutchinson? That could be a possibility. As far as linebackers are concerned, yeah, I would expect if Miles Jack's going to be here this up-and-coming season, are you going to see him blitz a lot more and kind of play his natural position? Um, because that's what Tampa has done in the past in their defense. They let their stars shine. 
the problem with Jacksonville, though, is how many stars do you have, you know, ready to shine right now? Like, I mean, they had Indomitian Sue drop back the middle linebacker a couple times <laughs> yeah. last year, yeah. even this year. Like, I'm not sure if they have the talent enough to do that on this team, you know? So, yes, Todd Bowles is a great guy, a great guy to learn from, um, a la Mike Caldwell. But at the same time, they also have a lot of studs on defense that makes that defense a lot easier. So we, we got to kind of got to taper expectations just a little bit until we see starting some of this talent coming in here. The crazy thing about it, let's just look at the Bucks defense, right? Obviously, they had a lot of names. They had some big guys from Sue to Devin White to others. But really what stuck out to me about their defense is their linebacker play mm-hmm. and their speed at linebacker. Uh, now, I would assume every defense coordinator, no matter what scheme you had, would love to be really good at the linebacker spot with a lot of speed. But it just felt like if I remember their defense, it wasn't Sue or even their pass rush that well, I remember. You know, like, I, I, stay, what, I just remember sideline to sideline guy. Sure. I'm not saying they were bad there, Austin. I'm just yeah. saying, in my mind, if you ask me about the Tampa defense, first thing pops in my head the last two years is linebacker play. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, remember Shaq had, what, 20 sacks, though? Yeah, a, a, yeah, a year he had, a big, had twenty uh, two years ago. I think two years was, ago yeah. was. Um, and keep in mind, and you're too, right, I mean, had a breakout year there. Well, and, and in the Super Bowl, instead of blitzing, they only rushed four, and they got home a lot against Patrick Mahomes. Like Mahomes was under pressure a lot. So I agree with you. I mean, it, it is it is fast linebacker play, but it's also anchored by a dominant defensive line. I mean, Vita Vea is one of the rising sure. stars in the league, and he, he's one of those rare guys where he's a nose tackle, and you actually know who he is. So, right? so be honest with you, maybe the more bland, bland way to put this is just the front seven. I mean, the front yeah. seven, and then I you mean, can piece he, together the secondary, but sure. their front seven has to... And again, I mean, I think that's easy to say on every defense. Your front seven better be pretty good if you're going to be dominant. I mean, Saxonville yeah. was that way too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you just said it now. Vita Vea and Sue, the combination of those guys in the middle, those big bodies, uh, maybe really do we look for that in Jacksonville try to upgrade maybe most immediately. Well, and obviously you got Golston to him, Jason Pierre-Paul, who, you know, when he's healthy, is still a pretty dominant player. So yeah, they. I mean, their defensive line is... Is nasty it's as pretty well. nasty, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, listen, the Jags, I think somebody just put it, they need some dogs on defense, and that's true. They, they need more. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they are not going to be overnight Tampa's defense. But no. I do think if you can add one or two of those, you know, this year and another one or two of those next year, now you start, now we're talking. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as long as you don't have any duds and big time holes, you can have a lot of solid players. And then you start getting three dogs by the end uh, of next this year. And then another. Now you have five at the end of 2023 or, or going into the 2023 season. Now you're talking. I mean, now you can be a dominant defense in the NFL. So um, it'll be interesting. We think all the attention on the offense of the Jacksonville Jaguars helping Trevor out. That's easy. They got to be able to do that. They need to do that. That should be the priority. But how much do they spend in free agency on trying to acquire players like Tampa did, you know, uh, from the Jason Pierre Pauls to the Ndamukong Sues? Uh, and also how much attention in the draft to go get big men up front early on mm-hmm. to start building um, and, and stockpiling uh, bodies from the draft. That usually comes early in the draft. That could lend to the Hutchinsons of the world, the Thibodeaux of the world. And this is why it's important right now, if you're Doug Peterson, that you have to uh, – assemble a staff as quickly as possible because these are the times right now where if you're a defensive coordinator if you're a defensive line coach I'd eventually come in here linebackers coach you have to evaluate what you saw on film last year and you got to figure it out all right can these guys work in our system or should we wash our hands of these guys and try to either trade or just you know they're probably not gonna make the team because that's where we're at right now you know I mean you 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 have a roster full of defenders at least where theoretically 
you're probably going to see a lot of changes. Yeah, you know, yeah. what I mean, you, I think you'd want to see a lot of changes from from a, a, a various amount of spots. So this is where it comes into play. Where okay. What they ran last year with Joe Collin in a 3-4 defense, it's not going to look exactly the same, I assume, of what Mike Call was going to do this year. Can we envision these guys, or where can we envision these guys to put these guys you know, up for success um, and to thrive? And if you can't do that, well, then obviously you know, decisions must be made. So that's what needs to start taking place pretty soon because we're getting close to the combine. Obviously, free agency is right around the corner as well, and then comes the draft. Uh, yeah, and, and you know what's interesting to me? as they have these discussions and you start thinking about that, if you can acquire a good staff, right? Doug Peterson, I think a lot of players across the league probably like to play for. Mike Caldwell has probably met a lot of players across the league that have high, have them in high regard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, maybe it's Mike McCoy at, on the quarterback uh, spot. You know, now you have, you know, you can talk about all you want, like, oh, what's it look like in Jacksonville? What's, it, what's the optics? Like, uh, people want to come here. I understand that. I get it. I think it, 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 it comes into the equation to a degree. But at the end of the day, the free agency part of this, I think free agents would be coming for two reasons, money and also the guys and relationships they might know in these spots and, and really their investment in, hey, this guy's a good coach. I can play well under him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, again, I think that gets a little bit lost in the sauce sometimes because of the optics are playing out on, oh, boy, Jacksonville. Um, I think if you get that good staff, now you can really acquire good talent as well from a free agency standpoint. And it might not all be splash guys. The splash guys are probably going to come for the money. Yeah. But those middle of the road, those B and even C-level free agents, as we would call it, like, oh, they signed X guy to a two-year you know, $12 million, $15 million contract, those guys can make a difference now in being a really good defense and getting the most out of your defense if you hit on those kind of players as well because you're just not going to have 11 studs. Absolutely. And when it does come to, you know, free agents, at least in terms of defensive linemen, um, things do get a little interesting, you know, in terms of players being available. I mean, you got Akeem Hicks here. Jason Pierre-Paul will be available. Jerry Hughes will be available. I mean, Clayus Camp will be available. Uh, and Dominican Sue will be, but you know, he's 35 years old. I'm not sure if he wants to come to Jacksonville to finish up his career. But there's there's definitely some possibilities you can go with because you have the salary cap to do that. Let's bring Calais back, baby. There you go, man. He's got a little football in him left. Let's go. If you want, man. All right. Who, hey, who would you rather have, Clayus Campbell and Dominican Sue? They're both 35 years old. I, I, you can't ask me that question. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I I got you. Take Calais all day and Joyce on Sunday. I got you. Uh, We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody. A lot of football talk. Of course, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 with Jags hiring Doug Peterson. The staff's coming together. Now we look forward on this roster a little bit. Oh, and it's Super Bowl week, by the way, with the Rams and Bengals. Coming up on Sunday, wait, Sunday you can listen to the game right here on ESPN 690. Brent Morton, along with former Jags player, current MMA fighter Austin Lane on a Tuesday here in Jacksonville. And uh, yesterday we were talking about golf, the Players' Championships a month away. Well, how about just a week away is Speed Weeks and the Daytona 500 will be down there in Daytona as well. And right now we're joined by Chase Briscoe, driver of the number 14 car, rookie of the year in 2021. Chase, thanks for taking a couple minutes, man, and you ready to rumble here in uh, this uh, 2022 season. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's definitely uh, you know, quickly approaching, so you better be ready if you're not. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Excited to get down there and 
see what we can do and start off a new season. Well, you had a, a nice rookie season. Do you feel like you learned a lot? Uh, coming off, obviously, a lot of success on the other series as well. But uh, how much did you learn a year ago as a full-time driver um, in, yeah. in the Cup Series? Yeah, I feel like I learned a ton. You know, just, you know, running the longer races, running against guys that you know, I've looked up to a lot of my life and guys that just have a ton of experience. So getting to race around them, I felt like was huge. You know, from a driving standpoint, everything I felt like I learned last year will kind of be irrelevant this year. We got a new car and uh, totally different than anything NASCAR's ever had. So from the driving standpoint, we'll have a lot to learn again this year. But you know, I think just getting that experience of racing around a lot of those guys, seeing how they race, you know, seeing in certain situations what they do, I feel like I learned a lot. So hopefully can uh, use that to our advantage this year. Chase, in the NFL, you know, it's always cliche when people say you learn your, your most from a rookie going into your second year. Is it the same for driving as well? Like, will you probably, in terms of, like, the progress that you make, will it be the biggest jump that you make from your rookie year? Yeah, I think so, for sure. You know, I felt like if you just took from week one last year to, say, week 17, I was, I feel like a totally different driver. You know, I felt like week in and week out, I just continued to get better and learn more things and, you know, it's crazy when you get to the cup level. I'm sure it was the, the same for the NFL. You know, you think the guys in college are good when you step up from high school, and then you get to the NFL, and, and everybody there has been a winner their entire career, you know, at the top of their game, and you quickly learn that there's a lot of really good football players, and same for racing, I feel like. When you get to that cup series, just everybody there is so good. You know, even the guys running the last 10 positions on the racetrack are extremely good race car drivers, and it's it's a lot of work just to, to gain five spots. So, yeah, for sure, I feel like I, I learned a ton over the offseason, even just going back and trying to, to watch video, learn as much as I could. And then now this year, I, I feel like I've been the best in my entire career. You know, I still have a long, long way to go. But just getting that experience last year and racing into the guys of the caliber that we did uh, was a huge gain, I think, for me. So I'm excited to to see where we stack up this year, and, and hopefully we can uh, continue to build on that. Chase Briscoe with us, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Inside two weeks until the Daytona 500 uh, down in Daytona, of course. Uh, last week, you guys were out at the L.A. Coliseum. You have a new car this season. You already mentioned it. Uh, tell us a little bit about I know you didn't finish, so I won't bring up too much of that, but tell us about the scene there in the Coliseum and also your first impressions of the new car. Yeah, the, the the atmosphere at the Coliseum was was unbelievable. You know, it was super cool, something totally different for NASCAR from the sense of you know the production side. I guess you know having a halftime show, having you know we have pre race concerts and stuff like that, but the amount of people that were there, you know the the red carpet, all the celebrities, you know, it was really neat. You know, and there was fifty something thousand people there that were going nuts. So it was a really cool event just to be a part of. And the results, obviously, not what we wanted. We had a mechanical failure, but. I think we broke running third or fourth, so we had we had a really good day going until then, and you know, unfortunate. But with this new car, there's definitely going to be a lot of kinks to kind of work out. You know, that's kind of the unique thing now with this new car versus the past is for this new car, everybody buys the same parts, so every car on the racetrack is essentially the same. So, you know, in the past, the teams can kind of manufacture their own parts and pieces and kind of validate them a little bit more where there's going to be times where I think early in the season especially there's going to be mechanical things that happen just because you know we haven't really tested these cars and ran them in these race situations before so it'll take some time to kind of figure these things out but yeah the new car was a lot of fun you know the quarter mile racetrack we could beat and bang around quite a bit you know Daytona is kind of the complete opposite of that but excited to get down there and kind of see what this new car does.
Chase Briscoe with us, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, do you get down to Daytona and, and do you have familiar spots? Have you been down there enough to, to already to always say, hey, I'm going down, I'm hitting this spot to eat, or is every year different? Yeah, I mean, I've been down there a couple of years now, and it seems like that area just keeps, you know, growing does, up more and yeah. more and more every time we go there. It's crazy the amount of stuff they've been building lately, but yeah, I'm pretty simple. I, I, I my go-to spot in Daytona is the PF Changs across the street. I think it's the best PF Changs in the country. So I go there quite a bit every time we're down there. But yeah, it's definitely always nice to go down to Daytona, and you know, especially the beginning of the season. The weather's typically pretty warm. It doesn't look the greatest for next week, but uh, yeah, we'll go down there. And it's my wife's birthday week every year. We're down there, so try to do something special for that. And Valentine's Day, so. We always try to find somewhere nice to go and uh, kind of give her a night to herself, finally. My goodness, you think racing around Daytona is hard enough? You got your wife's birthday and <laughs> Valentine's Day in one week. Holy cats, man. Uh, I know. It's rough, and you're trying to balance the works. So that last year, her birthday was on actual Daytona 500 day, and then this year we run the duels on, on her birthday. So it seems like every year I'm racing on her birthday, which isn't always the best situation. <laughs> Do you get a sense of what the fans might expect or see? Will some, Even a casual fan, will something jump out with the new car in terms of the style of racing? We'll see in the Daytona 500? Yeah, I think the style, at least at Daytona, will be, you know, fairly similar to what we've kind of seen in the past. You know, the big pack, you're going to have the big crashes and things like that. But, you know, if you're at the racetrack, especially, I think the first thing you're going to notice is the sound of the cars are quite a bit different. They're honestly even louder, I feel like, than, than what we previously had. Just a little bit more of a throatier, deeper sound. So you're definitely going to notice the sound if you're at the racetrack. And then the, the looks, you know, visually these cars look a lot more like a production car, like you would drive on the road. So it's definitely going to be some differences with this car from a visual standpoint. Um, but the mechanical side, like I said, is, is totally different. I mean, nothing is the same off the old cars. So there's a lot to get used to and a, and a lot of the things to learn. So it'll be interesting to see what teams and what drivers can kind of figure it out the quickest. Chase Briscoe with us as we're wrapping up. Uh, you're, you're in the car wash now, right, to start the year. Every, you're talking, doing all these interviews. Uh, I mean, how old do these interviews get? You can be honest with us. It's okay. Like, I mean, I, like, what's the most asked question you get? And you're like, by the 500th time, you're like, really? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think everybody at the beginning of the season always asks kind of what's your expectations for the year and, and things like that. So I would say that's probably the most asked one uh, for the Daytona 500 media day just because we are always starting the season. So I think everybody's curious, you know, what are your expectations going into the season? But yeah, I, I enjoy the interview stuff. It's a lot better than nobody wanting to talk to you. That's the way I look at it. It's <laughs> a good way to look at it. And, hey, I'm going to be the guy that gets you out on time. They said you got another one to run to around 329, so we're going to make that happen. Chase Briscoe, good luck in 2022, man. We'll see you next week at Daytona. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Uh, that is Chase Briscoe. Drives the number 14 car. Of course, uh, well, Stewart Haas Racing, his owner did at one time drive that yeah, number 14 yeah. car. Of course, Tony Stewart, number 20 car for a long time as well. Uh, but uh, part of the Stewart Haas Racing team had a ton of success in the Xfinity Series. And last year was the Rookie of the Year with three top 10s. So uh, keep an eye on Chase Briscoe. And it'll be really interesting to see, just in general, what he said. I, I'm not a NASCAR guru. That's Stewart. He was out at the Coliseum, by the way, for the races over the weekend. Had some really good coverage, if you follow on social media and on Action Sports Jack's primetime. And uh, what I'm interested to see is how much does this even the playing field? Because I think he mm -hmm. said everybody's using the same par parts. And, you know, it used to be like, whether it's Stuart Haas, or, and they would have a good week, or Joe Gibbs Racing, and they would have a great week. And then it's Hendrick for a long time, right, with Jimmy Johnson and everybody. They would have a great week or a great month or a great year. 
I think that's a little bit different now in NASCAR. So as a casual fan, I think you kind of like, I don't know who's going to pop this week, you know, and it yeah. might just be up to the driver a little bit more. I think that's the philosophy around this new car that NASCAR's, NASCAR's rolling out. Well, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's kind of putting it in the driver's hands and letting the driver stand out a little bit. You know I mean? If you follow anything with Formula One, you know that, yeah, drivers are important, but also it's the team behind you that usually wins you a championship as well. Um, just ask Lewis Hamilton the past, oh, I don't know, decade, and thankfully yeah, sure. he got upstage this year. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's cool with NASCAR. You know, it's going to showcase just who the best driver is. If everyone's got the same playing field, I'm really curious to see how this all pans out. All right, Daytona 500 just around the corner. Good having Chase Briscoe uh, on the show here on a Tuesday. And we'll be down at Daytona, by the way, next week, both TV-wise and radio-wise. Thinking like I'll probably do the show down there next Thursday. Uh, the day of the duels. Media Day is next Wednesday. So we'll definitely have Action Sports Jacks uh, down there as well. Um, so make sure you lock into our Daytona coverage. And we'll have a one-hour Road to Victory Lane pre-race show on Sunday of the 500 on Fox 30. The race, of course, is on Fox 30 as well. So uh, working on all the plans. And if you love racing, uh, keep it locked on Fox 30 and right here with the Action Sports Jacks team. I know you love football, and hopefully you keep it locked as well. But uh, before we get back to the football talk, did you see uh, Casey's golf shot? Oh, yeah. It's crazy, man. The way that golf shot turned out on 17 was exactly how I envisioned you do it. Really? Like, I, I definitely envisioned the Tiger fist pump, and I wasn't wrong, man. Like, that's exactly what I thought you were going to do. I was pretty excited. You did not disappoint. Yeah. They, by the way, like, it wasn't just... See, the fist pump was great. Yeah. Uh, soon enough, an F-bomb came out as well. That was awesome. But yep. it it's was needed. really like, name your favorite rock and roll band, the yeah. leg kick. Okay. The leg yeah, kick yeah, part yeah, of that true. was what little, got me. Like, it was bigger Angus than the Young. fist pump. Like, go look back at that and see the leg kick. Like, that yoga that you're doing, Casey, is really paying off, man. That was pretty good. Little, little Angus Young, I see you, man. I'm surprised nothing tore. <laughs> well, you did hurt your arm after the fist oh, pump. Oh, yeah, you said did, it That's right. Good thing it was oh, the your shoulder. Ball. Yeah. I think it's all the baseball. Couldn't, like, I never really took care of my arm. <laughs> so then when I do, like, one time, last time I played golf, I think before this, I threw a golf ball. I got super mad and threw out my arm. I so got usually you. any... Yeah, it's not good. Brent, now, if I say Angus Young, does it do anything for you or not? Uh, not really. Okay, it's all good, man. Um, Casey, them, but, yeah. were you wearing a golf glove or, or not? Yeah. Now, why, though? Because was that helping you? Because, <laughs> well, what, did you, what, what would you shoot, you know? Not sure. Brent has yeah. a scorecard, but it's yeah. bad. So here's the deal. Here's I'll tell you oh, why. It's like 107. Oh, and I see Marcel. Really? I, I know it's Marcel, too. Marcel's rocking a golf glove, too. I'm happy with that. Well, yeah, but you got to remember now. Hey, I know, but if it says 107, I'm happy with that. All right? Was, was Marcel rocking the glove? He was, you guys are all wearing golf gloves. So I'll tell you why I wear a golf club, Okay. in all honesty. I honestly wish I could wear two because my hands are super sweaty. Like, I just okay. have sweaty hands. I got you. Yeah. So, like, even baseball, like, I hated batting gloves, but I wore them just because I, ha I had no choice. Now, I'm actually, I'm watching this video up close. Are you wearing golf shoes as well? Yes. Those are yours? Yes. Okay. And they're cool. I like the way they look. My dad bought them for me. Okay. I was going to say, like, how often do you golf? I didn't think you are that big of a golfer. But you got the shoes. You got the... I like golf. I just don't have, like, I don't do it as much as I wish. I, I got you. Yeah. Shoes I also look good. horrible. I'll say so that. The, that. The shoes look good. Well, Thank all you. Marcel cared about was looking good. Oh, Marcel I mean, did look good. You got to. Yeah, uh, he's, he's rocking it I'll a little give bit. You, you know, that's an interesting story you asked. Like, uh, I, Kaylee had, like, I always use batting gloves. Yeah. Right? But we played up north, and I kind of felt maybe mentally that, like, 
a cold or especially early in the season and maybe the sticky nature of it. We didn't use, I, didn't, I don't remember using pine tar like on our aluminum bats or yeah, anything yeah. like that to get yep. the sticky stuff much, although people did. But uh, like Kaylee the other day, I was like, Kaylee, because we were hitting, I was like, do you never wear batting gloves? She's like, nah, I don't care about them. I don't mm-hmm. use them. And Ty for a long time didn't use them either. So it's just kind of like a thing. Like it, it, well, it can be a mental thing. Yeah. Now, the other day, I will say I forgot my golf glove a couple weeks ago in my truck and my shoes. Mm-hmm. Like I had dropped tie off, I think. And then when I went back, I forgot like my whole routine of putting my shoes on <laughs> and my golf gloves <laughs> in my shoes. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't have anything. Yeah. And so I had no. And, and that day I played with just sneakers on mm-hmm. and I actually enjoyed it more. Like I felt like I putted better and so now since then i haven't worn golf cleats yep and actually it didn't bother me not having the golf glove on see we've been over this before a little bit and this to me why i can't ever take golf seriously because like some guys when they putt will take their glove off yeah and some guys will keep it on yeah you know i mean let's just set a precedent here it doesn't make any sense it on well i don't understand taking it off if you're putting it kind of looks cool it's in your back pocket Oh, yeah, is that 100%. what it is? Oh, yeah. yeah but, well, but, okay. but I yeah. would say this. Putting do you, do you think all the kids out there are like, oh, he's got his glove in his back pocket. I can't wait to do that as well when I grow well, up. Well, listen, we all do it because Tiger yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah. You can see Tiger taking it off, and everybody else did too, but when Tiger did it, it looked better. It's the same thing when you were running the bases. You put your batting gloves in your back pocket. Yeah. They do that. I guess, yeah, but I guess I never noticed or that. Like Ricky like Henderson or I thought whoever you hold them. Yeah. I mean, to me, there it was, was a, like th- that. I went through a phase like that where I held my gloves because everybody else did, so you don't jam your fingers. Okay. I, I mean, like I had, bases, so I, I had Ken. Gr- <laughs> <laughs> hey, power hitter. It's all good, man. I mean, like, I had Ken Griffey rocking the hat backwards. Like th- that was the thing. That's fair. I didn't notice like Tiger Woods taking the glove off and putting his back pocket. Maybe I just missed that one. Yeah, it's just a, it's a yeah, it's, it's a subtlety. Eh. But I will say this: I take my glove off when I chip around the greens, which I'm not really great at, and mm-hmm. putt. But I think I do it because of a feel thing. I just have both hands on the putter instead of something in between one of my hands, you know, as a glove. Hmm. So now I feel like I, because I think the, that part of the game especially is all feel. Yeah. And so that's why I feel like I take it off. I, I'm way beyond be cool stage. <laughs> I take mine off because you don't swing it as hard when you're putting. Good like point. Sweaty. Okay. I don't think I'm going to throw it. I feel like I'm going to throw the club every time. Okay. Yeah. It is a good question, though. Like, I think it's really a mental thing. It's like, I'm sure you did something in football that probably was not a necessity in that you did, did it you because... Wear gloves? Oh, I mean, no. Oh, of course I wore gloves. Come on, man. I'm not going to be one of those gloveless dudes, swaggless out there. So there gloveless. You go. Huh? What's, what's gloveless? Isn't it, that the same thing? What's the glove versus gloveless defensive yep. end? Oh, because you can break. jack up your fingers. Well, so, I like, know it. I'm just yeah, saying. So, like, I had to wear 50, gloves... 50? Or is it oh, 80, no. 20? I mean, everyone wears gloves. Everybody does. Everybody, okay. yeah, because there's padding. So, like, you're not trying to jack up your hands. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, if I didn't wear gloves, man, like, my fingers would have been a lot more... Jacked up. Yeah, jacked up. Because, yeah. you know, you, you tape them and everything. Yeah, yeah, they are. So, like, you tape them and everything like that. But, I, actually, I wore receiver's gloves because it made me feel a little cooler. <laughs> See? It made me feel a little cooler. See? No, but no, truth, no, but there's a reason, man, because, like, the stickiness on it, it helped when you're trying to engage offensive linemen. Because, yeah. like, it was, yeah, like, stick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, off. Well, because, like, the true offensive lineman, defensive lineman gloves, they don't, they don't have that. It's just, like, leather. So you just kind of actually slid off. Yeah, so they're yeah. kind of pointless. Is yeah. there, so, like, could you put, like, pine tar on your gloves, or would that be frowned upon? Uh, I feel like you'd get in trouble for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you ever, yeah, like, you know that. how, like, you know how we went through the stage, like, last year it was in baseball where there's that sticky substance? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? For sure. Like, is there anything in the NFL outside of Deflategate, I know, which now is being even questioned again, like, uh, on the other side of it? Yeah. Um, but is that there anything you... like that people do that really you probably aren't allowed to do, but they do it anyway outside of, like, poke people's uh, eyes out at the bottom of the pile? You're, you're trying to get me to snitch right now. Yeah, huh? a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, I, in fact, snitch on yourself if you want. Sure, because no, you've been I out will. of the league for probably long enough now. Statue of limitations. Or others. Everybody can deal with it. Um, I wouldn't say like a competitive advantage, but if I was the NFL, I would seriously take a look at those smelling salts. Because I feel like I've killed like half my brain cells smelling that before so every single game. you do that game. a lot. Oh. But does that give you an Yeah. Ab- it gives you an advantage, though? I mean, it gets you hyped up ready to roll. Okay. But does when, yeah. like how long does I've never done that like yeah. how how does long does that wear off? I mean, it it, it hits you like in literally ten seconds, then you're like you're hyped up. But it's not like it, it's like a lasting effect. It just okay. wakes you up. Just wakes you right up. Yeah. Do you do that going in the cage? No, no, no. Like, no why wouldn't no, you? Because no. that's the last thing I need is get more hyped up when I go in a cage. Oh, really? Because like, I'm trying I to think. I'd rather have. I'm it trying to, No, because like so before an NFL like, game, I, I was always doing like, it before every show. <laughs> No, I always found that, like, in the NFL game, because I was on kickoff team or, like, kick return team, so it was, like, the first play of the game, ah, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so you have to get amped up. So, like, I found, like, there, I had to go, like, sniff the, the smelling stuff, because I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> no one's touching me. You know, like, that kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. In, in the cage, it's more of like, all right, I'm calm, I'm collected, let's go to work. You yeah. know, so it's a little I, more chill. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I sense that. Yeah, and you so. have that about you, actually, in the cage, which is really weird. Yeah. Like, you're not, like, super amped. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're you're kind of chill. I am chill. It's like the calm before the storm. Good call, Brent. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. poetry. It writes yeah. itself. No, if you followed me on the football field when I entered, oh dude. yeah, totally different. Beast out of the cage. Do you think man. maybe you could have been better if you yes. were a little more chill? Abs- absolutely, without a doubt. Really? Yeah. You got I, too hyped, maybe. I even had teammates tell me that all the time, and I didn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> we could become the first. Well, maybe the first show, like on a daily basis, to just do smelling salts before. I'll do it. Have you done one before? Yeah. And we come out of the yeah. gates like, hey, what's going on, Jacksonville? Casey. <laughs> 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 you ready to talk about some roster moves? Let's get it. Casey, so you said you tried it before? Yeah. What, what was your overall rating of, of the smelling salts? It is what it is. Yeah. You move, you move on. Didn't do much for you? I mean, you know, it was... Hot there for a second. It's in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you what, when I when I have my uh, sinus stuff going on, I need some of that. Oh, see, <laughs> no, that's that, that's the last thing you need, Brent, because I feel like that would open you so far up, but you you have like <laughs> snot on tap for the whole show, yeah, and, and we don't want that. That's man. a good point. No, do it at home. Drainage. Do it at home. Yeah. Big Diesel says Austin be like the guy in the movie Warrior comes out the classical music. Yeah, <laughs> man. Now we're talking. <laughs> really confuse somebody. Uh, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, that's, inter- that's a very interesting thing, though, about, like, the smell. You- oh, uh, one more thing on smelling salts. Did yeah. you see this year? Who was it? Remember the kicker? Who's the kicker that was doing it? He was doing oh, it? I don't know. Right out there. Who was that? I want to say it's, like, a dumpy-looking guy. It's, like, uh, oh. it's like Badgley or something. Oh, maybe. I don't think it's Badgley. The money badger? I've never seen it. All I'm going to say is I feel like they should do some more research of, like, if that's actually bad for you. Because I felt like when I was doing it, I probably wasn't being the best to my brain, but, like, I was kind of... I don't want to say I was addicted to it, but it was a cool feeling. So, like, yeah, let's keep on doing this. Doing and, yeah. yeah. So, four years of that, I don't know, or five years of that, who knows what I did to myself. <laughs> but I'm here now. So... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to be a tough guy to measure what happened. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, you know, was it the cage? Was oh, it football? Man. Yeah. Was it skiing? I, I just feel bad for my 40? therapist one day, man. Like, one day when I'm 50 and I'm talking to my therapist, oh, that's going to be lots to unpack. I feel bad for that person. We'll be back. Back to football talk when we get back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.
to Chicago, it, I played on a couple teams, and I would say that this city here is a true Chicago Bear. It is a true football city. You know, when, when I say that, I mean the fans are always going to be there whether you're winning or losing. Um, in your situation, you just got to come in. Make sure you surround your guys, with, surround yourself with the right guys that's willing and just on the same page with you. And, um, you know, we know that a lot of these, these coaches that get hired, it's, it's always, you know, I want to hire my friend. You know what I mean? In this situation, I say you hire the guys that's going to get the job done. Make sure you, you make the right decision and you surround yourself by a great unit and it'll speak for itself. Hmm. Well, that's a really interesting one because that's somebody that obviously played in Chicago, no longer does. I mm -hmm. almost felt like he was in a room talking to Matt Eberflus there. I mean, no, but the first, yeah, yeah, you get it. But I don't know who it was. It actually does sound familiar, too, my, the, the voice. We, we share some of the same points, too, in terms of how I feel about coaching hires. Yeah, yeah. Charles Tillman? No, sir. Oh, that's a good Dang. guess, though. I like your guess. Peanut. Here. He's calling Peanut. Mm. Here's what I'll say. If you had to think about, like, a Chicago Bear of late, mem not, not dead, of late memory, like Chicago Bear legend, you could say. Legend? Um, Lance Briggs? I don't know if he's a legend, yeah. but Lance Briggs? Nope. Um, the other linebacker? Nope. Brian Locker? Yeah. That was a, that That's was a good one. guess, yeah. but no. Um, oh, I know. That's It's Hester, man. Yep. Yeah, Devin Hester. So that was Devin Hester. Hey, by the way, Devin Hester for the Hall of Fame, please. Thank you. Yeah, I think First you, ballot. you actually just bring up two interesting guys, like two well-known guys for two specific things that happened in Chicago. Tillman yeah. for his ability to get the ball, right? Yep. And... Um, and obviously Hester, who's considered. You think he's first ballot or not? I mean, when is he up? Is is he up? He's on this one. It's he's on, on this one. one. Yeah, 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 I thought so. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think. I think people will have. Listen, if we're covering a guy around here with Tony Vaselli, who many people think is like one of the best tackles of all time, but they his limited years hurt him to get in, and now for a long time have hurt him to get in. Well, then, the idea of just being a return man, I mean, you can make the case Steve Tasker is one of the best special teams guys of all time. He's not in the Hall of Fame, and he's hardly but, got consideration. But here's the thing. Devin Hester is the best player in his position of all time, yeah. and that's not up for debate. Yeah. Like, he is the best. Well, my point, I, I believe he, he should be in. I'm just saying I don't think he gets in on the first ballot. Yeah. Because I think, again, there are hang-ups. People get hung up on that stuff. And you, sure. it also takes like six, six, seven voters to get hung up on that, and you, and you don't get in. No, I know. I mean, I, I just wish, I think for the game, I think he deserves to be a first ballot guy. Just like, you know, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Kicker from the Colts. Oh, uh, yeah, Vinatieri, yeah. I think Vinatieri. Vinatieri's a first ballot guy, he right? He probably has a better chance yeah. of first ballot because... Again, I'll ask you this. Did Devin Hester come into the league as a return man? Like, is that his prime position? That's what we know him for. I know. That's what we end up knowing for. Like, at least like Vinatieri, he came in as a kicker. Like, that's what his job was. That's what his only job was to do. And I also think he's just more high profile because of the Patriots' run and their Super Bowl wins. And you add the weight of the postseason. I mean, he, he might, you know, the, the snow kick might be the greatest kick of all time. So I think that's why he might get in quicker or on a first ballot than a guy like Hester. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just think part of the Hall of Fame has to be preserving history and telling a story. Yeah. And when you tell the story of Devin Hester, he was the best guy by far to do what he did. And you will probably never see a guy like that again just because of all the rules now in the NFL in terms that. of kickoffs. That's I true. Mean, 
And, and by the Say way, no more, listen, like, this isn't like uh, the steroid guy conversation in baseball. Like, I'm, I'm, Hester's going to get in. Yeah, you're, you're yeah for sure. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah, does he yeah. deserve to be a first ballot guy when he's the top of, of what he was doing? Yeah. Does he deserve? Are we saying does he deserve it or will he be? I think he deserves to be first ballot. Well, I just don't think he will. I be. mean, and I also think he deserves to be as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's some schematics are going to say he's not going to get yeah. in, unfortunately. Um, uh, by the way, Tony Baselli, Hall of Fame, coming up on uh, Thursday evening. NFL Honors are doing it different this year. Uh, and so you'll find out during the NFL Honors program. And uh, I know there's a lot of momentum for Tony, but there has been before as well. Now the offensive linemen have been cleared out. Does that help Tony Baselli get in? Could be the first Jaguar to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So could be a big moment. Leroy Butler, the same. Uh, Lambeau Leap fame, of course, from of course. Jacksonville. Big old and turtleneck. So, <laughs> better that turtleneck, man, when he gets accepted if he goes. Uh, could be a big week. Yeah. Uh, in Jacksonville. Could be a big week overall, really. You know, you hire Doug Peterson, and if Baselli gets in, that's, those are nice positive stories, right? So that's uh, pretty good. You were about to say, okay, so yeah, I know if you were on to jump in on that conversation. Uh, I wasn't forgetting about South Beach, Gary. Let's get him on right now. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up? Hey, Brent Butcher. Yeah, how uh, you bet? Uh, Careful. You know the uh, Sean Khan uh, press conference, he, he tapped the answer on that question whether he was offered another coach's job like he was Sammy Davis Jr. or Gregory Hobbs. The way he tapped the answer on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. That's good dancing, by the way. Um, I don't think I was the only one he danced around, South Beach Gary. I think, I, I will say this, and I've said, I don't know if I said this yesterday on air. I think I've said it before. I think it's a very, this is why I, I think you suggested, Austin, come out and answer the questions and then introduce yeah. Peterson potentially, right? Yep. Like, because it's really hard, or maybe this saves you because you don't have to answer it. Like, I saw Casario today. I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw that he was next to Lovey Smith. Well, he's going to be asked the same questions, like from the Brian Flores thing to the McCown stuff to why didn't you keep Cully? I just think that's ruining the guy's day that, that you just hired to be the coach. Yeah. Now, they, they're bigger than that. Maybe that's not important to them. But what it says is, hey, we got to answer all these other questions and, hey, welcome, Doug, right? Um, now, if you get it all done one full swoop, I guess that's maybe better. But it, it makes for an uncomfortable hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the very least. Without so a doubt. I just don't think he was that. He might never have answered that. I could sit down one on one with Shot and ask him that question, and I'm not sure he would answer it. Okay, but I think I got a better chance if I'm sitting down one on one of him answering that question to at least give us more insight than if he's sitting next to the guy that he just hired to take the job. True. I hear you. So to, to close a book on Devin Hester real quick, nothing beat when I went to Chicago. Hester's on the way out to going to Atlanta. Nothing beats watching the film from last year in special teams of Devin Hester running for touchdowns. And the guy, that, I forgot what the guy's name even was. I think it was Wims. Had to replace him. And the coach is like, all right, see what we did here? Well, you you can't do that. But we're going to try to mimic this as much as possible. He kept saying that. He's like, all right, this is Devin right here. You probably can't do that. But we're going to try to mimic that as much as we can. Imagine if it was Javon Wims. If it's who you, might, I can't remember. If it was, he's Jacksonville know. kid from Ed White. It might have been that? I don't know, man. Don't quote me on yeah, that. Yeah, it might one. not. That seemed like yeah. it might have been too quick to get to whims, but I don't know. But you was, might be right. I felt bad for that guy, though. <laughs> hey, we got more to come. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 694 o'clock hour on the way.